Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. As you know, I'm always trying to find people to share different aspects of sexuality with us. One aspect we haven't covered in previous episodes are people on the asexual and aromantic spectrum, which is why I'm so excited that today's guest, Tori, describes herself as aromantic. And because each person experiences these attributes differently, I'm going to let her describe exactly what that means to her. Tori is 37 years old. She describes herself as Black, pansexual, and polyamorous. She has a partner who she lives with, plus she's in a relationship with another couple. In terms of gender, she uses the she-her pronouns, but said, gender and I are not on speaking terms. You'll hear more about that in our conversation. She grew up in evangelical purity culture. I'm so pleased to introduce Tori. Tori, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. You and I don't know each other at all. I happened to find you because something that you had posted on Twitter came across my my screen. And when I clicked on you to see sort of who you are and learn about you, in your Twitter profile, it said aromantic. And I was like, oh, God, I want to talk to her because I haven't <laughs> been able to get anyone who's aromantic yet. So thank you so much for saying yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I start every interview in the same place, which is what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Um. So for me, it would probably be this is going to be very like telling just of my childhood. So it's a whole story, but so I was, I was homeschooled. Right. Um, so my mom had us sitting in like these little desks and like, usually she'd be behind us like talking on the phone or whatever. I don't, I don't understand. I don't remember. I don't know what they were talking about. It was all very weird to me. And I always thought that I would get in trouble because I would kind of like, if I was wearing jeans, you know how they would like kind of rub up mm-hmm. against you. Yeah. So I'm like, I would just kind of like, massage my clitoris as I'm like with my left hand as I'm like doing whatever I'm supposed to be doing with my right hand (laughs) and like trying to like make sure that my mom doesn't see me right because good feelings are bad so Mm, yeah (laughs) so it's just like you know I I guess I've just always been sneaky I've always been subversive (laughs) so how old do you think you were when this started let's see uh seven or eight Mm -hmm. yeah and Did you have a sense that this rubbing and this pleasurable feeling was leading somewhere? Did you come to something you would now recognize as an orgasm or was it Mm. the rubbing enough? 
Yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I definitely, yeah, not that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just it felt good. It's like, yeah. Why not? So you said anything that feels good is bad. Right. <laughs> and I have context. a feeling there is a, uh, I have a feeling there's a story there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. So how did you come to that idea? I mean, what we, I think could easily call shame around mm-hmm. sexuality. How did that develop for you? Well, it was preached pretty regularly, uh, at church and at home. As I said, I was homeschooled. So it was kind of just part of what we learned was purity culture and no sex before marriage. And the only sex in a marriage that counts is like a cis het mm-hmm. couple, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, if you obey all of the rules, then you will have a really awesome sex life mm-hmm. when you get married. And um, it was it was just a very strange environment to grow up in because it just for me like for my body it just didn't it just didn't make a lot of sense like I got I knew why I had to do it right from the religious perspective I knew why I had to perform this purity culture thing Mm -hmm. but in terms of fit it just really wasn't I'm kind of the opposite end of the spectrum right and (laughs) and in evangelicalism all women are kind of coded as asexual which is, oh, that's a whole conversation. But, um, you're, you know, women don't have sexual desires is basically how it's communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was really where I was raised. It was like, yeah, body shaming and sex negative in all of the ways. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't work. I, <laughs> I have several siblings and, uh, Yeah. None of us waited to have sex except I think one <laughs> uh-huh. before getting married. So it it doesn't it doesn't pay off. It was a lot of effort for zero reward. <laughs> right. So um you said that women are sort of coded as asexual. Yeah. Um does that mean that there is also an expectation that women won't have any pleasure? From sex, like once you get there, are you allowed to have pleasure? Um, I would say yes. Like in in our context, it it was kind of this this subject. The lot of um, people who were not in any way qualified, I think, to write about <laughs> sex and sexuality. Um, there was like a whole genre of like Christian sex manuals essentially. Um, But again, it was all like from this kind of very sex negative perspective where, yeah, women, like they don't have any sexual desires. Like they can enjoy sex if you like do it the long way, essentially. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Which basically means paying attention to them. uh uh (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) But it is really irrelevant to the relationship whether mm-hmm. or not you enjoy sex. Like the, the, the advice is very consistently have sex, even if you don't feel like it, have sex with your husband, even if you don't yeah. feel like it. So. Wow. So at what point did you start recognizing that this was probably not going to work for you? Mm, I had several points. Um, so the first little sign for me was uh, my mom got me like a purity ring, which is just like something that was really popular at the time. 
And I was at work one day and I was like trying to put stuff away and I was kind of like fiddling with my ring because I have ADHD. So I'm always just like doing stuff with my hands and my ring slipped off and like just disappeared, like gone, gone. I was standing behind the cash register. Like there's, there wasn't anywhere that it could really have gone. I looked because I worked there, right? I looked several <laughs> times and it was like, yeah. just gone, just vanished. Um which I was kind of like, huh, I kind of feel like this is this is a sign. And then, you know, I, I guess the other like really big thing was when I first started having sex when I was 19, mm-hmm. I knew that I was supposed to feel bad about it, right? I knew that I was supposed to shame myself. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't really understand why people make this a thing. Mm. Like, I know I'm supposed to feel guilty and... I thought it was fun and I don't know why people make this such a huge deal. Like, it's just not. I mean, in context, right? You do have to be responsible and get consent. But in evangelical churches, people are obsessed with sex. Um, And they talk about it kind of nonstop, honestly. It's like up there with abortion, like being (laughs) anti-choice, right? Uh In terms of their functional values, their lived values. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that that was probably probably the biggest thing. Was I was just like, I don't understand. Like, why is this such a huge deal? Like, why do people make this such a big deal? Yeah. Yeah. So you said you had sex for the first time at 19. Was mm-hmm. that your first contact with somebody? Or had you been sort of uh, kissing, making out, playing with people before that? Um, no, it was actually, let's see here. It was kind of one. So the one thing that was really, really great about it was I met my boyfriend at a Christian college, Bible college. And um, yeah, I was in one of his dad's classes. I'll put it that way. um, Gotcha. uh uh (laughs) So just because we knew we weren't supposed to have sex, we kind of did everything else, you know, and kind of, it was very kind of progressive over like over the summer. Yeah. You know, even though like in retrospect, I would see that activity as, as sex, mm-hmm. but in terms of like PIV sex, it was, but it was nice. Right. Because it's like, it's not scary when you take your time with it, which is mm-hmm. what I absolutely loved, you know? And, and there was just this idea of like, if you have a vagina, it's supposed to hurt a lot the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't have that. Like it was great. Um, yeah. Because yeah. amazingly, when you're ready and turned on and lubricated and you're really wanting it, it doesn't have to hurt the first time. That is right. the most ridiculous cultural narrative we have. Yeah. But uh-huh. it's because we assume that it's going to happen when when the boy is ready yeah. and the girl's just going to sort of go along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You said you did everything but PIV. So does that include AIV or um, uh, no, uh, PIA, penis and penis? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like fingering, totally. Uh-huh. But like, yeah, a lot of people do do that. That's like kind of the cheat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I've heard that a lot of yes. people in purity culture have anal sex yes, because, because it's, it's not, not vaginal. Yes. <laughs> and so therefore, they're still a virgin. Uh huh. So ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the first time you enjoyed yourself, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, it was I thought I mean, in retrospect, like, I still think back on it very fondly. That's amazing. Yeah. How long did the two of you continue together? Really, we only dated for like five or six months. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That feels like a long time when you're 19. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And so what happened next for you in terms of your sexuality? Um, so I really tried to kind of like, was like, well, I know I'm not supposed to do this. So I kind of tried to like put a lock on it. So I was like, well, I'm supposed to wait for marriage. I guess I'll do that. But then uh, like I ended up in a relationship with another person and um i was just like again like these rules are just so weird and don't make any sense and i don't understand them and why are we why are we doing this Mm so yeah i ended up like moving in with this person and we had sex and my parents tried to make me feel very 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 bad about it and which again, like in, in retrospect, I'm like, why were you being so childish? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just like, I don't know. You guys are weird. Like you're making us a thing. And it's, I just really feel like it's not a thing. Did you have a good relationship with your parents in other aspects? Um, I think like, that's a really hard, hard question to answer. So as a child, like my dad was my absolute favorite person on earth. Absolutely. Like my dad was my hero. And my mom, we had a pretty antagonistic relationship. I think that she felt like I was trying to hurt her, like Mm. get under her skin because I would correct her parenting a lot Hmm. because um, I just had this very kind of deep internal sense of like justice. And I don't even want to say right and wrong, but I had this deep internal sense of morality, right? And my mom just did not, didn't live up to those expectations that I had, that someone who, from my perspective at the time, someone who had Christian values should hold. Mm-hmm. And um, can I tell you a story? Yes, please. Okay. 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 <laughs> so when I was like, I don't know, 13 or 14, we went on vacation and we knew some of the families and we didn't know some of the other families, but they like all the kids are kind of the same age, right? Like early ish high school, mid high school to like little, little. And it was a super incredible experience. One of the boys and I were like, like we were having a conversation and talking and there's this, these huge trees, like these huge pine trees in the back. And they, somebody had put a, a swing on one of them. He started pushing me on the swing, which was fine. And we were still just like chatting. He ended up like pushing me from the front because it wasn't like a back and forth swing. It was kind of like it went all sure. the directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had his hands on my breasts and I like, I thought he was very cute. So I really was like, whatever, I'm not going to make a stink about this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, but my mom saw this and she decided to punish me for it because mm. it was my fault. I guess. Yeah. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, there was maybe implied consent, but there was no verbal consent. And, you know, from my perspective, I was fine with it, as I said, but from my mom's perspective, I was tempting. I was causing him to stumble, right. I was tempting a boy. Yeah. And so, um, I confronted my parents on this last year and I was like, look, like this isn't okay. Like you've literally punished me for, what from your perspective was me being molested. Like that's what you saw. 
Uh-huh. And you punished me for that. Like, I had consequences for that. And mm-hmm. my mom already, like, didn't really like me, right? I'm, like, 13, and I'm telling her how to parent. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. Like, last year, I was kind of like, okay, I am more than happy to talk to you as soon as we show up all together in family therapy. We will have a conversation. And I was like, wow. until then, do not contact me. Uh-huh. And I got a very defensive email back several hours later. And she goes, I don't remember that. I'm like, okay, but if you don't remember it and I'm telling you that it happened, do you not care? Again, from your perspective, you believe that I was being molested, right? Right. And you're not going to ask me how I am. It's like, I don't remember that happening. And I was a very protective parent. And I was just like, okay, we're done. Um. Yeah. So uh, I hope that my parents take me up on that someday because that would be awesome. <laughs> but until then, have you've been out of con- you've been out of contact? Yeah. Wow. Thankfully, I'm like super tight with my siblings. Mm-hmm. They're all awesome. So I'm very grateful for that. And are they in contact with your parents? Yes, current in different amounts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know Or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability, and I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So it sounds like your parents had 
a very particular idea of how life was supposed to be, and it did not end up working out for them. I would absolutely say that that is true mm-hmm. in parenting terms, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I've wondered for years, like, what they thought of that. And, like, you put in so much effort mm-hmm. to get us to act a certain way. And it's like, you can't. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, that's just not how people are. People are not robots. You cannot pre-program them to run a certain mm-hmm. script, right? To, yeah. to run on a certain narrative. It's not your choice, ultimately. Which is something that, you know, as a parent now, I have to also remind myself of. It's like, <laughs> ultimately, my kids are going to be who they're going to be. And I just need to be like a safe landing place for them. Mm-hmm. So, Are your parents still in the church? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At what point did you leave the church? Um, let's see. So I kind of started checking out around the time I turned 30. We were in a very abusive, I was married at the time and we were in a very, very abusive church. And there was lots of shame, lots of lecturing, lots of people being very condescending, you know, older folks being very condescending to young families. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was like all built on this idea of community and, you know, we're all really close and we all look out for each other, except that's too much work. I can't help you. Mm. Um, Kind of simultaneously, because I, you know, at that point I had a three-year-old and a newborn. And that made me really start thinking about faith, religion through a very different lens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm like, I have my kids and I am extremely protective of them in like ways that I feel like are healthy. And I don't take pleasure in harming my children. (laughs) (laughs) which is a very, 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 very low bar, right? (laughs) You would hope. (laughs) And neither neither God nor my mother can even reach that bar. Mm -hmm. At some point, I was just kind of sitting around and like mulling this over because I'm like, this is like, again, this is so weird. I don't get this. Like, why are we supposed to be doing this? Why are we supposed to be hating queer people? I didn't even get to the point where I was like realizing that I was like very extremely attracted to women, um, (laughs) you know, which was much, much earlier. And... Yeah, I, I, at some point it just like clicked with me. I was like, okay, so if the God of the Bible that I was taught about was my next door neighbor, mm. I would call the cops on him. <laughs> and I do not believe in the cops. Uh-huh. I do not believe in calling the cops. I would call the cops on this person because they are literally torturing their children. Yeah. Like wow. literally torturing their children. And I was like, that's, I'm sorry, that's not love. And if that's the God that exists and I find out the hard way, like, great, that's awesome. You suck. And I do not want to be with you for eternity. Go away. Mm. That was a really big kind of enlightening moment. And I like, I went back to school and started taking, you know, I was taking like biology classes, which was amazing because I'd been given all of this like nonsense about the earth is 6,000 years old and Noah and the flood were actual things that really happened. Yeah. And now being having access to all of this information and seeing how it actually makes sense, right? Because the thing about the Bible is you have to force it to make sense because it doesn't, right? There is, it, there's, it's not a cohesive narrative. It is not a history book. It is not a biology <laughs> book. And people try to use it like that. And so evolutionary biology right? And like all of the information that we have, all the data that we have collected, I was so excited to learn this. I was like, this makes so much more sense than anything I have ever read in the Bible. And I have been reading the Bible for three decades. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of, it was a little bit of a gradual process, but Mm -hmm. those were kind of like the highlights, right? As I began to like leave. And then 
like it ended up being really great because I get to have these incredible conversations with my kids about the fact that we're all unique and in these incredible things that exist in the universe. And like, that doesn't even make any sense. And also we're like bacteria <laughs> in the grand <laughs> scope of the universe. Like we're not even bacteria, right? Yeah. We're like single celled <laughs> organisms in the grand scheme of the universe. Nature doesn't make me feel bad about myself. Uh, I'm into that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah, I was, I'm like, I'm here for this. This is, yeah. this is great. So before we started recording and I got sort of your biographical information, you said that you consider yourself pansexual. You mm-hmm. identify as pansexual. Um, I noticed when you were talking about that person who you moved in with that you mm-hmm. were very careful not to use pronouns. So I'm curious. <laughs> Was that person not a man? <laughs> um, no, that's actually, I, yeah, I noticed that too. And I'm like, I wasn't a hundred percent sure why I did that, but it was just like this, it was just like this moment of me kind of going like, oh, I can make my own life apart from, mm-hmm. apart from my parents. Um, yeah. yeah. So at what point did you have an interaction with someone who was not a cis man? So it was honestly, for me, it was pretty late. As I said, I, you know, I got married when I was 26 and then, um, you know, I, I ended up leaving the church, you know, when I was 30, 31, you know, I definitely knew from a very young age, as I said, that I was sexually attracted to women and people Mm -hmm. like, I guess what it really comes down to just to get away from the binary is I don't care what is in your pants. Yeah. Right. Like that is not a factor in who I am attracted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I had like just little random experiences that tipped me off and I was like, okay, like this is a thing and I'm not, I'm not supposed to act on it. Right. Cause it's sinning quote unquote. I talked to my gay friends about it. You know, I was very kind of open about, it's like, yeah, I am definitely sexually attracted to women and non-binary folks. And that's just not, I just don't categorize people that way. Mm-hmm. Gender as a construct does not serve me in any way. Uh huh. Uh, I like got, I ended up getting divorced just to clarify, um, and started going on dates with everybody. Like I didn't have any like gender filters on, Mm -hmm. on my little like apps. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, honestly, it was, it was really great. And so, you know, met really cool people and was able to have different kinds of sex than, than what I had had up until that point. So what was your first experience with a woman like? Um, it was amazing. And I really sincerely, I was like coaching myself. I was like, like, you might feel really guilty, right? Because you have been coded to feel guilty. You've been coded to feel like this is sinning. Mm. Um, even though it's something that you know you want to do and your body wants to do it, like just for context. And I'm like, kind of like walking myself through it. It's like, it's not that big of a deal, but. It was amazing. It was so great. And um, very much like, why didn't I do this sooner? (laughs) (laughs) I was at her place and driving, driving back home. And I was like, yeah, again, like, I just don't feel bad. The people tell me to feel bad about sex. And I just do not feel bad about it. Like, it just didn't, I don't know, that programming just didn't stick very well with me. (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was amazing. 1010, highly recommend. Have sex with women. (laughs) (laughs) So something else that you mentioned is that you have a complicated relationship with your own gender. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what that means to you. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, it, like I said, it's kind of similar to not caring about other people's gender or parts. Mm-hmm. I just do not, gender is a social construct, right? Uh-huh. And and it doesn't serve me in any way. I definitely present as like hella femme. So I'm fine with that. Um, that's how I feel comfortable. So just, okay. So here's, here's a good example growing up. I would never like change the pronouns listening to like songs on the radio, right? Because there'd be all these love songs. And if it was like a guy singing about like some girl, I wouldn't change it, right? Because it was like, this doesn't matter. This doesn't care. Like, you know, people are like, hey, guys, I'm like, I'm a guy. Like, what? Whatever. Uh Like, it just, it doesn't matter to me. So yeah, in terms of the social construct, I don't, I just don't care. It's mm-hmm. it's so it creates so much trauma and so much like so many wasted resources and so many people are being harmed and I just I'm like I'm kind of over it, right? Yeah. Like I don't care you can call me whatever. You decide like I'm a man, I'm like cool. Whatever works for you. Like this is not mm-hmm. my deal at all. That's on you. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> How do you talk to your kids about gender? Um so I try to be really kind of kind of clear with them on some people don't feel like they fit in the bodies that they have, right? Somebody might be born with a penis, but they don't feel like a boy in any way. And their brain tells them, you are not a boy, right? You are a girl, or you are non-binary, or mm-hmm. the entire spectrum of gender, whatever that is. And that's like that's fine. Like Some people's brains are just wired differently. And I really just put it like that. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, it's it's brain structures and you get to decide for yourself. Everyone gets to decide for themselves what their gender is. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to think that that's weird, right? Like yeah. some people are cisgender and then some people are trans and some people are intersex and some like many people just, again, like like me with gender, some people just don't choose. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've always been really, really clear with them. And I know that it can be a little messy with, like, younger kids to kind of try to explain that to them. But I've also been, you know, intentional about making sure that they have books that feature families of all different configurations, right? Mm-hmm. And characters where you don't know what the person's gender is, and they never say, and it's fine. Yeah. Right? So... It's really, it's really important for me <laughs> to make sure that my kids know that we treat humans with respect, period. That's it, the mm-hmm. end. And people have autonomy and whatever they decide works for their body is their decision and theirs alone and we respect it. This is not yeah. a conversation. Yeah. And uh, do they consider themselves boys? Like, how does that conversation go? If you're not defining people for them, right? how does that conversation go? Yeah. Um, so my oldest, I think he was like five and he was like, mom, I'm, I'm not a boy anymore. I'm a girl. Just out of the blue. And I was mm-hmm. like, sweet, let's do it. That's awesome. Uh huh. And, you know, I asked him, I was like, do you want me to use like she, her when I'm talking about you, which wasn't both of my kids use he, him for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is he him. Okay. Yeah. So I was, it was like, do you want me like do you want me to change? He's like, yeah, no, whatever. And then I was like, cool. Sweet. He just tried it on and a week or two later, he's like, I'm not a girl anymore. I'm a boy. It's like, yeah. great. I'm glad that you got to do that. 
I love that. <laughs> love it. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. It really was. Because, yeah, I'm like, gender is like outfits, right? You just put on whatever feels good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's get into the aromantic piece. Yeah. Um, for people who are listening, who are not familiar with what that term means, could you give us the like 90 second version? Yes, absolutely. So aromantic means that um, sex and intimacy are two separate bubbles. And so having sex does not lead to any kind of intimacy. It does not need to lead to any kind of intimacy. For me, at least if I choose that, then that's fine. That's great. That's wonderful. That's lovely. But in terms of having to have a relationship configured in such a way that sex and romance and intimacy are all kind of together as one package. They are all separated out and they do not touch for mm-hmm. me. Um, I just kind of choose what I want, right? Within the framework of consent and respect and autonomy, like, cool, let's do yeah. it. Um, so yeah, there just isn't like the emotional kind of component. Naturally, I am a very kind of open, loving person, like, that's just how I'm wired. Um, so I have truly, really incredible relationships that are romantic. And I have really incredible relationships that are very intimate and don't involve sex. And then I have relationships that I enjoy sex and we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, and and also I think we should clarify that Every person who is aromantic is probably going to define this a little bit differently. Absolutely. And every person's who person who is asexual is going to define that a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, being aromantic doesn't mean that you are not at all interested in romance ever. It just means that it's not necessary for you to have a relationship with somebody that's sexual. Do I understand that correctly? I mean, romance, I guess, is a lot like gender for me and that I just don't really understand it. Mm-hmm. I assume I'm like neurodivergent in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like I haven't actually been tested for anything except ADHD, but um, I-, I get that it's something that people are into. And I just, I'm so glad that people have that. And I just don't, I don't get it. Like I literally forget that Valentine's day is a holiday <laughs> and um, it's like, I love to do things with my friends and I love to do things with my partner and I don't, I don't need that. Right. Yeah. I, I very much feel like I can, like I can meet my own needs and some of those needs are emotional, right? Some of those needs are intimate. I don't have an, any need for, for romance. Like that's just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's just how, kind of how it fits for me is that there's just, there's just no overlap. If you want to take me out, to a fancy dinner and like, I will get all dolled up and we will do whatever and like walk around downtown and be like really loud and obnoxious or whatever it is that we want to do. <laughs> like, great. Love it. If you want to give me flowers, like I love flowers. Like, give me all of the flowers. Um, but yeah, in terms of just like things that I think about, like I definitely try to be very caring and like aware with my partners, paying attention to things that they like and they enjoy. But yeah, for me, it's just, it just doesn't really register. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. 
two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation you can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So you have a live-in partner. Mm -hmm. What made you decide that this was somebody who you wanted to make that kind of commitment with? Um, I mean, honestly, a huge part of it for me, given, you know, again, like how I'm wired is just like we have really incredible conversations. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of my identity in being able to wrestle with these very complex ideas and topics. And I'm always trying to like clarify my own morality, right? I'm always trying to make sure that I am being respectful of all people. We all goof. I get it. But I'm always trying to like be the best version of myself to all of my people. Mm-hmm. And being able to just have someone who you can just have like, eight hour long conversations with, mm-hmm. right? So like, leave the house to like go on a hike, which is, you know, that's kind of been our thing since we met. You can just sit down and spend the entire day talking. And I love that. Like, that's incredible to me. Um, there are people who will hear that and not understand how you can have that kind of connection without feeling a romantic bond along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's there's absolutely intimacy there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like like being able to be vulnerable and honest, like that's incredible. My closest friends, like this is how all of us are. 
This is just very much how we operate and how, you know, when we spend time with each other in that respect, it's not different from a friend, mm-hmm. right? It's not different from having a best friend or, you know, whatever you want to call it. However you rank friendships, <laughs> <laughs> which is corny. Uh, anyway, that was really what it was. This is like, we're actually really, really good friends and we like fucking. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is great. <laughs> This is awesome. Yeah. And is this person use he, him pronouns? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So does he have other partners? Okay. So that's an interesting thing. Um, Okay. So we met on Bumble. We started dating. And at some point we had a conversation about like the other people that we'd met on the app. (laughs) And... It turned out that he had, like, I was, like, the second date that he went on on this app. Uh-huh. And I'm, like, I don't even know how many dates I went on on the <laughs> app. Like, I'm not actually sure. I was really frustrated by that. I was, like, that sucks. Like, you just got super lucky. <laughs> and I have just been, like, trying to keep my head above water. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, you have to go on more dates. Like, I this is <laughs> this is essential because it, this was not this was not fair. This was not equitable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then COVID happened, so the plague. Oh yeah. You know, before that, we were kind of like we had been talking about other kinds of potential situations, and like Portland has a lot of really cool sex clubs. Yeah. Um, and so it didn't like not have to be like a date date, mm-hmm. but like having sex with other people or whatever. I was just kind of like, that's a thing that you should do. So I, I given that answer. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Does he consider himself monogamous? That is a really good question. And I would say no. Okay. I was pretty like, this is just kind of who I am. And I'm just not wired for monogamy. Like that is, that is not sustainable for me at all. Mm -hmm. I can promise you that like nothing's going to happen and I will be not telling the truth. I know myself well enough at this point to know that that's just not going to be a thing. Yeah. Like I can say it to make you feel better, but it's lying. (laughs) I'm lying. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Did you cheat during your marriage? It was that was that was kind of a complicated kind of a complicated story because I had asked, "Can we open our marriage?" Mm. And you know, so we were very much on the same page with that. And then at some point, there was like some communication breakdown, and I ended up having sex with like a really old friend, like hooking up with a really old friend, like a couple of times, and and we're still like super close. He thought that we had, like, gone back to being closed. And I did not realize that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So then we had a long, several long, ugly, tearful conversations about that. And um, ended up closing our marriage again, which was, like, you know, in terms of trust, like, I I get that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, whatever happened here... There was some miscommunication, mm-hmm. right? And um, I guess it's like the lens that you're using. And, you know, I completely understand, like, for some people, it's like, yeah, that's like, that's totally cheating, right? Even if you had already said, like, we're going to be open. 
Mm-hmm. I respect that. Like I understand that many people feel that way. But yeah, so that's that's what happened. It's another great reminder of just how excellent your communication needs to be in order mm-hmm. to have an open relationship or a to be a polyamorous person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are so many people who look at that and say that it's immoral or unethical mm-hmm. when in fact to do it well, you have to be extremely communicative and mm-hmm. extremely honest Yeah, or things can fall apart and get bad real, real fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So you also mentioned that you have been involved with a couple and I'm interested to hear more about that. This is hilarious. So they actually met each other through my Twitter account. <laughs> if that tells you anything about the dynamic. Um, and they're they're open. And um, I don't know, it's kind of the same thing. It's like we just have these amazing conversations and like a lot of shared values and ideas. And also like we just, it's fun to have sex. So if they're open, do you primarily interact with them as a couple or each one of them individually or all like, all, is all, there any all play around that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them. Like, so we, you know, we like have our individual relationships with each other, obviously. Yeah. And then, you know, we also interact as a group. Uh-huh. And they're awesome. It's nice. so far it works. I don't know. I guess I've just been really lucky that way. Like I've just had a lot of really positive experiences around sex and sexuality. Not only is that great to hear, but it's particularly amazing given the background you came out of. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So just to sort of circle back to that, do you ever find yourself slipping back into that old sort of shame thought pattern? Or has that been so thoroughly weeded out that it's just not even on your radar anymore? I mean, they had a hard time keeping it on my radar when I was all the way in. So at this point, it's like, no, it does not. It does not. It doesn't come back for me in that way. Yeah. And now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex on your period? Yes. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? Mm, question mark. A couple <laughs> dozen. A couple dozen. I don't know. 35, 40, something like that. Yeah. I don't I'm not actually sure. I could count it up, but it, I, yeah, it wouldn't be yeah, worth the it's time. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever had sex with someone with a different racial identity than your own? Yes. What's your favorite sex toy? Mm, you know, sex toys are don't really do it for me. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm I'm like a cave woman. I just use my fingers. <laughs> fingers, tongues. Yep. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Right. <laughs> What's your favorite sex position? Um I can never remember the name of it. Why am I like this that I can't remember <laughs> the name of it? Um but it's like Starting out with missionary, but like my legs are like over their shoulders. Over right? their shoulders. Like what sure. is like what is I don't remember what that's called. I, I know that it's the I know some people call it pregnancy. Oh. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't actually know names of sex positions either. Yeah. I, I don't know, but that's it, my fave. It's more important how it feels, not what it's right. called. <laughs> that that part. Yeah. 
Um, do you prefer to initiate or for your partner to initiate in the bedroom? Mm, either is fine. Yeah, it goes both ways. I'm yeah. great with that. Are you generally more active or more passive during lovemaking? Um, I would say I'm more passive. I'm a little bit vanilla, shockingly, <laughs> in bed. <laughs> Given everything that I have just said, I'm yeah. a little vanilla. <laughs> Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Penetration. I am someone who does not have a lot of clitoral orgasms. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like G spot where it's at. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? Yeah, that's great. Do you think it's generally easy or challenging for you to orgasm? Mm, I would say it's definitely on the easier side. Um, Have you ever faked an orgasm? I'm sure I have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can you orgasm from intercourse or strap on sex alone without additional stimulation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? They're just, they're so different. They're both amazing. Um, but they're, they're so, so different. I mean, I like, I, I love masturbating and I, but it's just like, I have more control over like how it works in that situation and, and like having less control. I love also because it's like mm-hmm. kind of a surprise. So, <laughs> you know, it all works for me. <laughs> nice. Um, what kind of touch do you enjoy most? What kind of touch? Hmm. That is, I have to think about this for a second. I've never really rated, I've never really rated it. Someone uh, like, honestly, like if someone knows, like actually knows how to like suck on a nipple without making it painful, like that is a skill. Like, that is a, <laughs> that is a very, very, very serious skill. All right. Um, so yeah. Awesome. What are your hard red lines? Mm, you know, if we talk about it first, like, cool, let's try it. <laughs> Are there things you've tried that you never want to do again? Things that I have tried that I never want to do again. Um, nothing I can think of. So far, it's all been good. Wow. Yeah. Do you have hair down there or are you bare? Uh, usually, I like to have a little bit of hair. I like to have, you know, some tail feathers. So <laughs> I'm fine with that. You know, Love it works it. out. But <laughs> yeah, just whatever I feel like. In the summer, it's pretty bare. Because, you know, I'm in my swimsuit all the time. So uh-huh. but otherwise, who cares? Do you enjoy giving blowjobs or oral sex? Yeah. Yes, very much. When you give a blowjob to a penis, do you swallow? Mm, depends. Yes and no. Just depends on how I feel. Uh huh. Do you enjoy receiving oral sex? Yes. Do you ever worry about how you taste or smell? No, I'm sorry. That's not my problem. Like (laughs) I taste and smell great. Like, I don't know if you're someone who doesn't like how vulvas work, then that's, that's on you. I love it. (laughs) Do you enjoy dirty talk during sexual encounters? Dirty talk. I like you're, this is, this is not going to come as a surprise to you as we've been having this conversation. I like cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. while having sex mm-hmm. like if I can make my partner like burst out laughing 
that's really emotionally rewarding for me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, Dirty, dirty talk is fine. But again, it's like that. It's more like that's kind of like a romantic thing that I just don't fully click with. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? I mean, it would, it would be more of a statement around your body isn't bad. And all these people who are trying to tell you that it's bad are just like, they have an agenda, right? Mm. They're not actually looking out for you. Um, you know, cause I've always had a pretty good relationship with my body. Like I've definitely, I definitely went down the like body negative spiral that was very common for millennials. But, um, overall I have had a really good relationship with my body. So even despite that mess, <laughs> I'm glad. Tori, we have done it. Yay. <laughs> uh, so Tori, please let people know how they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I am at Tori Glass, Tori with an I. And then my website also, I do a lot of anti-racism work. And that's just ToriGlass.com. So yeah, Twitter, Instagram, my website, all, all just Tori Glass. Pretty easy. Excellent. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for doing this. I have loved talking to you. Yeah, it was so great. Oh my gosh. You (laughs) ask incredible questions. So thanks. That's it for today. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. And I'm incredibly grateful for the financial support from Good Girls Talk About Sex community members at Patreon. If you'd like to support me in telling these stories and answering your questions, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. You can find show notes and show transcripts at www.goodgirlstalk.com. To ask a question about your sex life, your desires, or anything to do with female sexuality, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. And before we go, I want to remind you that the things you've probably heard about your sexuality are not true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. I work with women just like you to reflect their true sexual nature back to them without the judgment, shame, or fear that can get in the way of us seeing it for ourselves. As a coach and PJ Party hostess, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. I'm here to help you sink so deeply into your true sexuality that the version of yourself that was scared to speak up for her own needs feels like a mirage from another lifetime. Until next time, Here's to your better sex life.